the mysterious disappearance of a 30-year-old mother has captivated residents of central Pennsylvania for over three decades. With potential connections to other unsolved crimes, a history of allegations made by local residents, and no new information from the Attorney General's office since they took over the case in 2018, small-town theories, conspiracies, and suspicions continue to run rampant today. This is the cold case of Barbara Miller. About last night, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest. Today, with a special guest, my dad, attorney Joel Wiest. Here's what we know so far. Barbara Miller disappeared on June 30th, 1989, after attending her best friend's wedding. She was reported missing five days later by her ex-boyfriend and lead suspect, Mike Egan. After almost 30 years of investigations that made way for no answers, the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office took over the case in 2018 and have revealed no new information since. Many locals believe that Miller's disappearance was connected to the homicide of Ricky Wolf three years prior. Scott Schaefer, who was convicted of killing Ricky Wolf, was released from prison 17 years later after pleading no contest to conspiracy to commit kidnapping and conspiracy to commit third-degree murder. For 32 years, Scott Schaefer has been burdened by the conviction of a crime he claims he did not commit. Today, he continues to fight to clear his name and to find closure for Ricky Wolf's family, who believes that he is innocent. In 2006, Scott pled no contest to conspiracy to commit third-degree murder and conspiracy to commit kidnapping. These charges still hinder him today as he continues to fight a legal battle. Scott's latest attempt for justice has been his effort to get the evidence from the crime scene tested for DNA, but the courts have denied his request. Today, my father, attorney Joel Wiest, who represents Scott Schaefer, will join me on the podcast to explain the legal barriers they continue to face. Today, we have another guest. My dad, attorney Joel Wiest, is joining us. My dad represents Scott Schaefer in his fight to clear his name currently, and he's going to tell us about what they have tried legally to get Scott cleared for the homicide of Ricky Wolf. So thanks for coming on, Dad. (laughs) And first of all, just tell us how you got involved with Scott and involved in representing him in his case. I met Scott through a mutual friend, Francis Scarcella. We were both friends with Francis, and um, he, Francis, I think, felt that I could maybe help Scott. And in discussing the case with him, it was very apparent that it was an interesting case, and I like interesting cases. So I agreed to come on board and try and help Scott as much as humanly possible to get DNA testing done in order to try to clear his name. And, you know, we actually met the first time at night at my office, just Scott and Francis and myself, and I believe Scott's fiance at the time. And we went from there. There were a lot of late night meetings, a lot of, you know, daily meetings, a lot of phone calls, a lot of going over documents and things like that. So Scott told us last week that 
especially when Tim Miller was involved in the investigation into the disappearance of Barbara Miller and the Ricky Wolf case around the 2017 timeframe that you were really involved during that time as well with Tim Miller and with Francis. Can you tell us about like what kind of happened in that time period? Well, yeah, we all kind of fell into it together. As I said, I knew Francis already. Through Francis, I met Scott. And then Tim Miller was hired as the new chief of police in the city of Sunbury. Um, Tim took an immediate interest in the cold case of Barbara Miller. And through talking with Francis, I believe, who he knew first, Tim knew first, he then took an interest in Scott's case as well. Through Tim's diligence, if you will, and quite honestly, what I would term to be his fantastic investigation, um, it became clear that the motive for the disappearance, if you will, of Barbara Miller was tied to the Ricky Wolf murder. And that really came directly from Tim Miller and his investigation and his ideas and after he had already kind of established that, I think, in his own head, and I don't want to speak for former Chief Miller. However, I think that Chief Miller had, kind of had that idea. Then we found, or Tim found, the lost evidence of Richard Bramhall consisting of a log kept by that state police trooper um, and his investigation, which also echoed Chief Miller's belief that Scott was innocent and that the motive for the disappearance of Barbara Miller was the murder of Ricky Wolf, which would therefore exonerate Scott. We'll be right back. Chris Reese is not your average insurance agent. He's your neighbor. He's a coach for your child's sports team. He is the loyal customer of your local small business. Chris Reese is an insurance agent who wants to support you as well as your community. He wants to help protect you from the risks of everyday life while also helping you realize your dreams. Offering personal and small business insurance as well as financial services, Chris Reese, State Farm Insurance Agent. For more information, call 570-495-4556 or email chris at sunburyinsurance.com. it became clear that what we needed to do was wait for a statute to be passed, which was eventually passed that said that you could file what's called a PCRA petition, a post-conviction relief act petition, even though you were no longer incarcerated or on probation or parole. If you had a good case for DNA testing and if DNA testing had not previously been ordered in your case. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the long and the short of what we were waiting for because obviously Scott's conviction was from a time period when DNA testing was in its infancy. And although he had in 2004 then pled no contest to separate charges, again, DNA testing was not where it is today, for one thing. For another thing, at the time in 2004 when Scott pled, he had no time to consider whether or not to request DNA testing. He came here from prison for a hearing in Northumberland County 
on that same day, he was faced with either take this deal or you're going back to jail for the, possibly the rest of your life. And he decided to take his deal, which any, you know, normal person I think would have taken. So Scott didn't request DNA testing at any prior time. Correct. Although he did technically have the ability to do so. He, his attorneys could have requested DNA testing at any time. However, at the time of his first conviction, it was really a new science and would have been almost out of the ordinary for them to request it. At the time of his second hearing, he didn't have time to request anything, really. I mean, it was take this deal or go back to jail the rest of your life, or possibly. So, so your request to have the evidence from the Ricky Wolf crime scene. Now, what, what items are in this evidence that like still exist? Well, we know that there's all the items still exist to the best of our knowledge because the items are located in a state police repository, I believe in Harrisburg at this point. At one time, there was a big discrepancy, if you will, in that we learned that Scott learned through a friend that the state police were getting rid of old case files and including evidence from old cases, which would have included Scott's case. Therefore, we had to quickly file a petition with the court to ensure that the items that we were asking to be tested were not disposed of by the state police repository, and they were not. And the attorney general's office did concur with us in that request in saying they shouldn't be destroyed. Now, what specifically there is, I know there were some cigarette butts. I know there was hair. I know there was clothing. I know there was a pair of glasses. I know there was nunchucks. Um, I know, I'm trying to think what else there was. That's what I can think of off the top of my head. There were bandages. Um, there were a lot of things that would have had DNA on them that had already been typed. So they blood typed them at the time, which was a much more common scientific process when Scott was first arrested than would have been DNA testing. So they blood typed them and knew that, you know, Scott's blood type didn't match this one, but another person's did. And they knew that they didn't have matches on many of the blood types, but DNA, as everybody knows from TV these days, can point you to a specific person. And that's what we wanted to do to either exclude specific people such as Scott or more specifically include specific people, which would show that Scott didn't have anything to do with it. So way back in his first trial, like 1989, 1990, you said they didn't request DNA testing because it was in like such early stages, but did they also just think they had like a good enough case that they didn't need that as well? Or was it just like not as nearly as relevant as it is today? I can't speak for his attorney at the time, but, and that was just before I began practicing law. However, I think it was that DNA testing was, again, in its infancy, and therefore it just wasn't being done. And in 2004, you said he just wanted to get out. Well, in 2004, yes, he just wanted to get out, but it wasn't even a matter of, well, we got a couple of days to decide whether we're going to file for DNA testing or we're going to do this, going to do that. He got here, was offered a deal on that day, and take it or leave it, and he took it. So you requested for DNA testing. What happened? Well, we requested DNA testing, and 
we did an oral argument in front of the court in the Court of Common Pleas in Northumberland County. Now, all of the judges in Northumberland County recused themselves at that time because of either my involvement or Scott's involvement and because of various things that were going on um, and knowing different people and whatever. But there was a lot of moving parts, so all of the current judges recused themselves. Therefore, we got Judge Clark, who was a senior judge out of Dauphin County, who came and listened to our oral argument and read our briefs and was in the process of deciding our case when he was removed from the bench um, due to some discrepancies and was replaced then in the Court of Common Pleas in this case by a Judge Anderson, who is a senior judge out of Lycoming County, who then reviewed the transcripts from our oral argument, reviewed the briefs, and then entered an order in Scott's case denying our petition for DNA testing, basically stating that, number one, Scott did not avail himself of the ability to get that DNA testing previously, as he could have in 2004, and he did not show that the DNA testing would in any way exclude him because even if his DNA was not found on something there, it would not necessarily mean that he was not there. So the long and the short of it is, we've already discussed, Anna, you and I, the idea that why Scott hadn't previously requ requested DNA testing. But on top of that, what we didn't talk about is that Scott's case is a little different in the request for DNA testing. Because if Scott's known associates were found to have been at the scene of the Ricky Wolf murder, if their DNA was present, it would be much more suggestive that Scott himself was present. However, if there was DNA of various others who were also, at least through our theories, believed to have been involved in the case and who were also involved in the Barbara Miller matter later, then it would almost absolutely exonerate Scott because he didn't even know those individuals at the time. Um, and that was our argument to the court. Now, the other argument that we made to the court was that the idea of having been able to ask earlier really wasn't appropriate in this case because the legislature passed a statute allowing us to request the DNA testing when he was no longer on probation or parole and was no longer incarcerated um, during this period. And because of that, we felt that absolutely no one would be able to pass that test that even though they were no longer on probation or parole or no longer incarcerated, they could now request DNA testing because anybody who had reached that level would have already not requested DNA testing. Um, therefore, we felt that Scott was uniquely um, qualified to receive this kind of relief at this time. We'll be back after this. The America's Hose Company has been serving Sunbury and the surrounding community since 1893. Today, they respond to emergencies with multiple ambulance crews and a tower within the Sunbury Fire Department. 
their social club is a hot spot for many Sunbury locals looking for a relaxed environment and a home-cooked meal after a long day on the job. Their menu offers the classics along with a new special every day at an affordable price for the whole family. Come and enjoy yourself for good food, good drinks, and good friends. So we talked about how like testing this evidence for DNA could exonerate Scott, could point to who who committed the homicide of Ricky Wolf, but let's tie it in with Barbara Miller. So really, it could be who committed both crimes because that if if that was the motive for the disappearance of Barbara Miller. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what we're talking about. Um so basically our theory of the case is and has been that Ricky Wolf was murdered by various individuals due to a drug debt owned to Kathy Reichenbaugh and or Roy Harold. We believe that Kathy was selling drugs for Roy Harold and that Roy Harold and various others would have been involved in the actual murder of Ricky Wolf. Since Scott had no affiliation whatsoever with Roy Harold or Kathy Reitenbaugh or any of those people that ran with them at the time or ever, um, that would likely exonerate Scott from having been at the scene of the Ricky Wolf murder. But what ties them together is the fact that Scott's ex fiance received a phone call or a full message, I will say, from Barbara Miller saying that if Scott was not freed and exonerated, she was going to come forward and give testimony and evidence that would free Scott. That was a day or so before she disappeared. Um, we believe that because of what she knew about the Ricky Wolf murder, Barbara Miller was taken and murdered. And the only motive for that would have been the involvement in the same individuals in both the murder of Ricky Wolf and the disappearance of Barbara Miller. Right, because if Ricky Wolf owed, you know, a drug debt to Kathy Reichenbach, Roy Harold through, you know, Kathy Reichenbach or whatever, then we go back to the Mike Egan tie that we talked about over and over and over again, and that's how that's how the two would have been put together. The tie with Mike Egan is that he was dating Barbara Miller at the time of her disappearance, or at least had previously dated her, and he was also a known associate of Roy Harold, from what I am told. And was the brother of Kathy Reitenbach. And is the brother of Cassie, Kathy Reitenbach, exactly. Right. After the Court of Common Pleas denied their request, Scott and Attorney Wiest appealed to the State Superior Court, who upheld the lower court's decision. They then appealed to the State Supreme Court, who decided against hearing their case. So basically, this the, or testing this DNA could hold the answers to who committed the homicide of Ricky Wolf, could hold the answers to who committed the murder of Barbara Miller, and could exonerate Scott Schaefer. So why won't the Attorney General's office just do it? Well, and to be clear, I want to say that, you know, the a negative does not prove a positive okay so what the courts have said in our case and in other cases is even if scott's dna isn't there it doesn't mean he wasn't there 
Okay, it just means that nobody found his DNA. However, our argument to that is, as I stated earlier, if the DNA of Roy Harold, or if the DNA of Mike Egan, or any of those people that were in that group were found at the scene, that would almost absolutely exonerate Scott, because not only did he not associate with those people at that time, my understanding of the situation is that Scott was actually involved in a rival criminal enterprise at the time and would have had nothing to do with any of those individuals. Um, therefore, if they're there, it almost speaks for itself that Scott was not there. So it's not just that if Scott's DNA isn't there, it's whose DNA might be there. Oh, also... You could add, I mean, I don't know if you could legally add it to a court argument, but if Scott's DNA wasn't there, you could add it to the evidence that he already had, the receipt from Wanamaker's from his ex-girlfriend, Sue Knaus, the whatever piece of paper that um, Billy Hendricks had from working at Susquehanna University, to all that evidence that they already had. Yes, but in, in addition to that, though, the other thing is, a big thing that I think has gotten lost in the shuffle is the existence of the nunchucks that the prosecutors used as proof that Scott was involved in the case said that this specific pair of nunchucks that is in the state police repository were used as the murder weapon of Ricky Wolf. We know that Ricky Wolf was covered in blood. Therefore, our argument, Scott and mine, is that if those nunchucks do not have Ricky Wolf's blood on them, that goes a long way towards proving Scott's innocence because those nunchucks were Scott's. So if the the main part of the prosecutor's case was that Scott was involved in the murder of Ricky Wolf because the murder weapon was a pair of nunchucks and Scott was a martial arts, arts enthusiast and there's no blood on these nunchucks that they say were Scott's, then it would be pretty apparent that they have the wrong murder weapon, which would also fit in with some of the other evidence that Scott has shown in his throughout his case that the actual injuries sustained by Ricky Wolf do not fit with the contour of the nunchucks themselves. So that the actual injuries sustained by Ricky Wolf would have been caused by a an object other than these nunchucks. So it would strengthen Scott's case immeasurably if there was no blood from Ricky Wolf on these nunchucks. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. At Sunbury Motor Company, the letters SMC mean a lot to us. Those letters stand for a tradition of trust since 1915. SMC. Stand for selling more cars. And satisfying more customers. SMC. It stands for Sunbury Motor Company. And when you need a Ford, Hyundai, or Kia, you have our lowest price promise. Log on to sunburymotors.com to see more choices and save more cash. And then you can say, start my car. I'll take it. SMC. In the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. So if the court is going to say that, you know, they're not going to test the DNA because Scott had the chance to request testing when he was originally, you know, during his first trial, why would they pass a law in the first place if nobody would do it? That's what we said. You're taking the words out of our brief, basically. That's exactly what we've said to the courts. I still believe that to this day. I'm very surprised that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court 
refused to hear Scott's case because of that very issue. I think that is the most important issue at this point in Scott's request for DNA testing because the superior court in finding against Scott was very strong on the fact that he could have earlier requested the DNA testing. But again, when not only did we stress that to the superior court, but when we went to the Supreme Court, we seriously um, expressed the fact that we felt the Supreme Court should hear our appeal because this legislation was enacted and nobody's going to be able to take advantage of it if that is the law enforced by the courts. Um, however, the Supreme Court, in its wisdom, decided that it would not hear our case. I must respect the court's decision. I know they have their reasons. And that's where we are at this time. So, is the, do you, I mean, in your opinion, you obviously don't know for sure, but do you think the Attorney General's office is, like, just, like, doesn't want to admit that they're wrong in the decision? Like, what, what's the real reason behind the fact that they're so against it? I don't know. I can guess. Um, my guess would be that the Attorney General's job is to enforce the law and enforce prior convictions. In this case, Scott was previously convicted. Therefore, it's their job to ensure he stay convicted. Okay? That's what I think. That's, I think, the attitude they're taking in this case. The fact that he might be innocent on the, you know, in their mind is not enough for them to say, okay, let's just get the DNA testing and find out. Because it's a slippery slope. Because if they agree for Scott, then the next guy might not as have as good a case for Scott as Scott, but do they agree for him? Or the next lady, or the next whoever? But, I don't know. I mean, the system has to right their wrong here. And that's just what it seems like they don't want to do. Well, and you got to understand that there's a, the judicial system involves both a prosecution and a defense. Their job is to prosecute. My job is to defend Scott and try to get him set free. Um, so both interests are equally balanced before the courts, and the court's job is to decide who's right and who's wrong. In this case, they've interpreted the law to say that Scott is not entitled to DNA testing at this time. They're not even saying, yes, we think he's guilty now. What they're saying is, you're not entitled to DNA testing because you could have got it before. Again, we don't agree with that. But that's what they're saying. What happens from here? At this point, we are waiting to find out what happens with the Attorney General's investigation into Barbara Miller's disappearance. We know that they're investigating. We know they've taken the files from the Sunbury Police Department. We know that they're talking to various individuals. However, I'm hopeful that that investigation may turn up new evidence which would allow us to again request DNA testing for Scott and which would bolster our case even more for his ability to receive the same. This conversation left my justice-driven heart aching. First of all, why enact a new law if it won't be upheld in the courts? As my dad stated, anyone that would try to have DNA tested according to the opportunity granted by this new law, would have had the ability to request DNA testing prior. Also, why does it matter if they could have requested it before? I'm not an attorney, but it seems to me that if the state police still have the evidence, why not test it? Now, 
in the case of Barbara Miller, this DNA could hold the answers. The connections between these two cases have been documented by law enforcement for years. So why not test the DNA from the Ricky Wolf case to see if someone involved with Barbara Miller is identified? This could reveal a motive in her disappearance. To me, it seems that the reasons to test the DNA are abundant, while the reasons not to seem minuscule. We as Americans pride ourselves on the guarantee of liberty and justice for all. But if this value is to be upheld, our systems need to be willing to do the necessary work and right their wrongs. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it gets you inspired and motivated for change, just like producing it did for me. In the next final episode of this season, we're going to be having a roundtable discussion with Scott Schaefer, with Francis, some of the people that were involved with Barbara Miller back before she disappeared. We're hoping to be able to have this roundtable discussion on Facebook Live before we make it into a podcast. So be sure to check our socials, stay up on Facebook, and the podcast will come out on Wednesday morning as usual. Coming soon to About Last Night, the devastating murder of three-year-old Arabella Parker, bringing you the facts of this tragedy from family members and others involved, right here on About Last Night, a true crime podcast. Produced by Harv Productions, LLC.